0: All right, we are on John chapter 16. I want to finish the lesson from last week before I start the new one, uh, and this is where Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit, uh, and it's the longest segment uh, in the New Testament in which we hear about the New Test about the Holy Spirit, and Jesus teaching us about the the Holy Spirit. And we talked about all the things that the Holy Spirit does. Not only does it give us the gift to spread the gospel, but it prepares the hearer, the recipient, to receive. Without the Holy Spirit effectively touching the recipient, it's going to fall flat. And so as I told you that, when you go out and speak to someone, there's two things taking place. Yes, God is inspiring you to speak. You're preparing to speak. But if the ground isn't prepared, we could speak all we want. Nothing will happen. It's God, through the Holy Spirit, preparing the hearer. Uh, And so we talked about that in the process of conviction. Well, the final aspect, the final aspect of the work of the Holy Spirit is mentioned here, and that is uh, verses to convict the world in regard to judgment. And if you look at that, that's in John uh, chapter 16, verse 11. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of the world now stands condemned. The Holy Spirit will convict people that there is going to be a judgment on their lives. There will be a judgment on their lives. Now, what you will find in the world is that the world does not believe this. And I'm sure many of you have seen this. They don't, first of all, uh, many people don't believe in hell, all right? I'm sad to say that there's even been some uh, evangelical pastors who have preached that there is no such thing as hell. I read a book some years ago by a guy named Rob Bell uh, from a church in Michigan who wrote this book about that. Well, let me tell you something. Anybody that tells you that is, is giving a lie from the devil. All right? Nobody spoke more about hell than Jesus. There is a judgment reserved for this world. And it is the Holy Spirit that will convict people of the essence of that judgment. And when I say judgment, I mean a twofold judgment. There is a judgment here in this world, and there's an even more profound judgment on the other side. Uh, and so it's the Holy Spirit that convicts people, ultimately, of understanding the essence of that judgment. Turn, if you would, to 2 Peter chapter 2. This is kind of a rough way to start uh, a lesson on a on a sunday morning okay uh but i read I read these verses to Linda yesterday as we were discussing this this lesson and and let me tell you it's pretty sobering second peter chapter two uh let 's start with verse four and here here it is and this is the, the teaching through the Holy Spirit. This is one of the things that, that Jesus told, tells us about, that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. And so here is the truth of the whole, that the Holy Spirit has led the apostles to understand even after Jesus has passed on. Look at verse 4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell... And you understand that that's referring to the uh, angelic revolt in heaven uh, in which uh, one third of the angels sided with Lucifer and were cast out of heaven, uh, cast to earth and to hell, and going on there, sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons um, to be held for judgment to be held for judgment. So even as they were cast out of heaven, uh, they're cast to earth and then ultimately to hell, to be held for judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its own godly people, protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. Here's another example of the judgment of God. He wiped out the known world through a flood and saved only Noah and his family. Another example, Uh, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, wow, there's another example, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented, in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. It gives us some insight there about why Lot was saved and what Lot was going through, even though he was living in Sodom and Gomorrah. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment. (sighs) Folks, it doesn't get any clearer, all right? While continuing their punishment. All right, you reject God, you reject Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit comes. There is a day of condemnation. Look, I don't make me. It doesn't make me feel happy to say this. All right, I don't. I wish this weren't so. All right, but it's so, and it's our our obligation to tell a lost world. Now, you know, be careful how you tell them. (laughs) You're going to hell. I hope you like heat. You know what I mean? You're going to be in rags. You know, instead of, instead of teaching them all the good things and then warning them about the fact that we have a loving God, but as loving as he is, he's righteous. And in his righteousness, he will not be with those who are unrighteous. And I told you that the only reason we're going is we close with the righteousness of Jesus. There's nothing righteous about us. But as God sees us through the filtering lens of Jesus, he sees us as righteous. All right? Verse 10, this is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the sinful nature and despise authority. All right? Despise the authority of God. All of this really relates to that ongoing issue of submission really. Uh, and we're we're focusing on this on our Monday morning group. But this is the central issue of the Christian life, submitting to the will of God. And so even as the Holy Spirit presents itself and touches the the heart of the unrepentant, uh, they have an opportunity. They have an opportunity to, to become part of the family of God. And so you see here, you see here uh, the fact that, that there is a judgment. God will render a judgment. There will be a punishment. The punishment will be both here and on the other side. It's pretty, pretty serious, pretty, pretty convicting. And so we need to uh, ask God to give us an understanding how to convey that in a loving way so that people understand it. And that's what the role of the Holy Spirit is. Now, turning to the new lesson, we're now in John 16, verse 12. Jesus is going to expand a little bit more about the Holy Spirit. Verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. What does that Jesus mean when he says that? More than you can bear now. He has filled them in on enormous doctrinal truths about what is happening, about how he's leaving and a comforter is going to come. But he recognizes that within our limited, finite, human mind, that we only can have so much of an understanding. And so he's saying to them, I've given you now even much more than you can bear, and there's more to come, verse verse uh, 12. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. I'm telling you that what Jesus is saying here is Jesus is preparing Uh, his disciples and his apostles for the fact that they will be given the revelation of the New Testament, that that will be the truth. That will be the absolute truth, the final truth that God will be revealing to them. And then he speaks on about the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Meaning what? Not only will the Holy Spirit speak of the truth, the present truth, the truth that will be revealed through the Holy Spirit, the doctrinal truths uh, of what God wants us to know, but he will also be prophetic. The Holy Spirit will speak to the apostles, through the apostles, about what the world will be to come. And we're going to talk about that. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Wow, what powerful verses. So, and so you see here, Jesus tells us that, he, that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. Effectively, he will take everything about Jesus and lay it out to us. I told you from the beginning that the Holy Spirit one of the, the principal role of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus to a lost world. That's what it's about, revealing Jesus to a lost world. And so here we are, at the end of this final discourse and that's what these series of, verse, of chapters are, uh, these last three or four chapters the end of the final discourse, the analogy must be made here, to what Jesus is saying, "I've left effectively the best at the end." He will reveal all truth. Even more than I have told you, he will reveal truth. Well, the analogy here is similar to what Jesus did at the marriage of Cana. Because you remember at the marriage of Cana, when they ran out of wine, uh, and Mary came to Jesus and asked him to, to make wine so that the marriage feast could continue, and the master of the feast, after tasting the wine, said to the host, this is amazing. Most people keep the worst wine for the end, because by then the guests are too drunk to know the difference. (laughs) But you have left the best to the end. And that's what Jesus is doing here. You have left the best. Jesus has left the best to the end, meaning the impact of the Holy Spirit, the ongoing impact, God within us, God teaching us, God revealing to us. It's amazing. And so here Jesus Uh, is presenting a new and totally unexpected subject, and it is the best of all he has been saying. This is unexpected at this point. Jesus had taught about the Holy Spirit and how he should come after Christ, uh, return to heaven, and how he would comfort, he'd be a comforter. He would teach them. He would cause them to be spiritually fruitful. And finally, he would convict the world of its sin in order that it would return and find righteousness in Jesus. All of this, Jesus has already taught. Uh, but now, he's laying something different uh, out. It's at this point that the message of Jesus continues. And here's what he says. Jesus now tells them he has much more to say to them. I have much more to give you. I have much more, but even more than you can bear. I have so much to give you, but it's even so significant and so profound. It's much more than you can bear. And so even though Jesus had taught them many spirit, uh, significant doctrines, uh, there were many more significant doctrines to be taught. Many more to be taught. But Jesus knew that there was a time and a purpose and that those other significant doctrines would be taught by the Holy Spirit, through the apostles. And how would it be taught? It would be taught in what we're holding, the New Testament. That is, what, that is what Jesus is speaking about, that these significant teachings would come to us now through the Holy Spirit, through men, that men would be used by God to advance the gospel. Wow, what an amazing uh, prophecy by Jesus laying out uh what this is about it amounts effect- effectively to the en- entire new testament now if you were a first century jew and you heard this it would be startling because here's what you would say wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute i believe i believe the scriptures i believe what we have i believe that the prophets uh were used by god But we have received the truth. God spoke to them. This is the truth. We have everything here before us. Uh, I don't see any evidence that there's any additional uh, teachings coming our way. So you heard Jesus saying this, and you would have been startled as a first-century Jew. Let's take a look, first of all, as we understand their understanding of what they had, and that was the law. Turn to John chapter 1. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. How's that for a differentiation? The law came from Moses, but Moses didn't give you grace. And the ultimate truth didn't come from Moses, but it came from Jesus Christ. Uh, And so uh, they believed, if you were a Jew, the Jews believed that the law was holy and good. And yes, that was correct. God gave them the law. The law was holy. The law was good. But no one in the history of the world ever got saved by the law. They got saved by the mercy of God when they were convicted by the law. The purpose of the law was not that the law itself be worshipped, but the purpose of the law was that you as a sinner would be convicted and recognize that you were lost and that you needed a savior. That was the entire purpose of the law. And a really good explanation of this is in Romans chapter 7. Let's turn to that as we see effectively the evidence of what Jesus is talking about, the ultimate truth now coming through uh, the New Testament. And here we have Paul, who, as we know, is going to write two-thirds of the New Testament This is a guy who winds up being not part of the original 11, but effectively does become part of the original 12 uh, as he becomes fully an apostle. So look at uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 12. So then the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Absolutely. The law is holy. The law is righteous. The law is good. But... How does this fit within us? What is is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit speaking to us about what the law means to us and how we connect with the law? Look at verse 14. And and we're going to read a series of verses here, which I believe makes the position of Jesus so crystal clear. Because you're a first century Jew, you're worshiping the law, you're worshiping uh, the prophets, and now God through the Holy Spirit, is going to peel the onion back for you and show you things that you did not consider. Verse 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Now, think about how fantastic this revelation is. The law is spiritual, but you're not. You are effectively enslaved to the carnal sin within you. All right? Even as you worship and follow the law, you are still enslaved to sin. Verse 15. And remember, this is being written by the greatest evangelist in the history of the world, the greatest, the man who will write two-thirds of the New Testament, a man who was a Pharisee's Pharisee, who studied under Gamaliel, a man who had an infinite understanding of the Jewish law uh, and that is why God picked him and he became saved and became the spokesman of, of the new church. Look what he says I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. <sighs> is that, do you fall into that category? <laughs> I do not, I, I, I do not understand what I do. Lord, I love you but I still find that I'm sinning. I find that I fall. Lord, I'm outside your will. I don't understand it. And and he's he's articulating this this position. Um, I do not do, but what I hate to do. I find myself thinking evil thoughts. Words will come out of my mouth. I don't like those words, and yet I find myself saying them and and being outside of of God's will. He's articulating the human condition. You understand? You didn't hear this before if you were a first-century Jew. You focused on the law, and the law was making you righteous. Well, guess what? You could read the law till the cows come home. You understand? You wouldn't be righteous. You wouldn't be righteous until you accepted Jesus Christ and the blood of our Savior poured over you, and the Holy Spirit was sealed in your heart, and then only then would you be convicted. You understand the nature of this teaching. This is so profound. Um, And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. It's the very sin that lives within your heart Even as you are a Christian, even as you are sold out to Jesus, make no mistake about it, you're still sin within our hearts. Why? Because you're walking around with a bag of flesh. All right? Make no mistake about it. You will continue to sin every day of your life. I don't care how high you go in the church. I don't care how pious you become. It is is still an ongoing edict that that is the nature of the human condition. And that is why God sent Jesus, because the only way this miserable race of humanity could be saved is if God himself sacrificed his son. Understand this. Understand this. This is so profound to me. And so it's basically, here you have a Jew, a Pharisee of Pharisee, telling you why the law isn't cutting it. It's not cutting it. It's not doing it. It's not making me righteous. Um, uh, It's sin living in me. Verse 18, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I love that statement. There is nothing good living within me. This is before you have sold yourself out to Jesus Christ. Once you sell yourself out to Jesus Christ and you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, then there is something profoundly good living within you, and that is the Holy Spirit. But you see the nature, the nature of the human condition, uh, and, and this is an amazing revelation. Uh, and so you're a first-century Jew, and you're hearing this, you're, you're like stunned to hear this, this is a whole new doctrine. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. How do you like that? I know what is good. I know what I should be doing. I know what is righteous. I know what is holy, but, and I have a desire to do it. But even though I have a desire to do it, I am not carrying it out. Why? Because you have not relied on the Holy Spirit. It's when God seals you with the Holy Spirit that your knowledge and desire will conform with your will, and you will have the strength to do this. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. This is an amazing admission by the greatest evangelist who would walk in this world. Can you imagine? When you get on the other side, you're going to get a chance to speak to him. You should talk to him about these verses. <laughs> tell him, by the way, I told you to do that. <laughs> because I plan on speaking to him about that. I mean, this is an amazing statement of the revelation of the Holy Spirit to the apostles. Uh, and, and so, Jesus, this is confirming what Jesus said. I have more to tell you, but you not, cannot uh, uh, contain it right now. Uh, uh, so verse 19, for what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not, not want to do. This I keep on doing. Verse 20, now if I do what I do and what I, what I don't want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. And that's what you recognize. It is sin living within us. And so if you are not sold out to Jesus, uh, it is the sin in your life that reigns supreme. Um, And so, verse 21, so I find this law at work. Here's the law. You want the law? Here's the law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Can I get an amen on that? All right? When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. Within you is a veritable war going on. All right? Satan recognizes this. He'd like nothing better than to detract your attention. Uh, from the things of God. Please do not think that since you are a Christian and since you are submitting to God and walking on the pathway of God, that you are not going to be subject to temptation and sin. Please don't go there. Don't go there because every day you live in this world with every breath that you take, you are subject uh, to the temptations of evil. And it is only through the submission of God, the continuing prayer of God, repentance of God, speaking to God and communicating to God that he pours the Holy Spirit into your life that you will be able to wage this war effectively. And it's not you, it's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. Uh, And you see this, uh, what a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body of death, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Wow. Who will rescue me? Only Jesus will rescue you in this ongoing battle. And this is the, this is the message that we have to convict uh, to, to the world. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. So here it is. He has now carved out the fact that the law is good. The law is holy. The law is righteousness. But even as you acknowledge that and stay within the law and say you're following the law without Jesus Christ, you're a slave to sin. You are going to continue to sin. The only thing that the law is going to do is bury you even deeper. You're not going to get saved by the law unless you recognize that you're an unrighteous, unholy person that desperately needs a Savior. That's the role of the law. And so this is the ultimate truth coming to you that Jesus said he would send through the Holy Spirit. This is the role of the Holy Spirit, giving you the teaching, the revelation uh, in the New Testament in a way that we have never, ever heard this before. And so what does this mean? It means that this revelation is authoritative and inerrant. You got that? It is authoritative and inerrant. Why? Because it comes directly from God. Even though it is being articulated by a man, God is using this man to articulate the truth's the, the ongoing truths of the kingdom of God. Uh, and that is why the, this book, the writings of Paul, uh, have been included in the canon of the New Testament. Look also at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdoms, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgment about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. So there you see what this is about. When we speak, when we see the teachings of the Holy Spirit taught to us by Paul, He's not speaking in human words. The very words that come off the page, the very aspect of those words coming off the page are the effectively the words of God. You're hearing God speak uh, through the Holy Spirit. This is a sobering thing to think. Uh, when I was going over my notes last night and speaking, and, I, and, and Linda and I were chatting about it and, and, and reading these verses, it was very sobering to me to understand exactly how profound the revelation of Paul was in this regard. How he had basically peeled the onion back as to why the Jews needed a savior. What you see here is profound and deep theological point. Yes, they had Moses. Yes, they had the prophets. Yes, God had taken them out of captivity. Yes, they were the promised people. Yes, God had been with them and blessed them. But until they recognized that with all that they got, with all of the laws, with all of the prophets, they were still slaves to sin and would only be able to escape the very bondage of sin when God would send Jesus Christ as their savior. Because the only way you break the chains of slavery of sin is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior. Amen? Amen. Let's close and continue this next week. Father, I thank you so much for the words you've given us. Lord, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you, Father, for the apostles. I thank you, Lord, for the wisdom that you poured into their life. I thank you, Lord, for the New Testament, for your words, for the new doctrine, for this theology that breaks the law down, that exposes us to the fact that the law doesn't save us. And so, Lord, I ask you that you touch our people and embolden them today to go closer to you, to be able to explain to a lost world why they need Jesus Christ, that the only way they can be saved from the bondage of sin himself is through Jesus Christ. And we know, Lord, that you've said it also, that there is a judgment. And so we ask you, Father, in a loving way to give us the ability to articulate these things. Bless our people. Continue to grow this lesson in their heart and bring them back safely next week to continue this study. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name.